Welcome to the Healthy Body, Healthy Mind podcast. I'm your host, Brian Kinghorn, co-founder and CEO of HBHM. We're a carbon neutral wellness brand and we're focused on the well-being of our customers and the planet. We produce a range of products designed to support a healthy lifestyle. This podcast is for our community. We'll have a range of experts in the health, fitness and wellness space designed to help you all improve many aspects of your life. For listening to this podcast, you can get 15% off our products at hbhm.com by using the code hbhmpod at checkout. Thanks for listening. Welcome to the latest episode of the Healthy Body, Healthy Mind podcast. Today, we have Anurag Rai on the show. Anurag is an award-winning executive and business coach, best-selling author, master NLP practitioner, and founder of Superhuman in You. He has been featured in major publications such as Fox News, Market Watch, and USA Today. He has helped many business owners and senior executives to overcome challenges and start thriving in different areas of life and business. He started his journey when he first moved to the UK from India with £100, four sets of clothes and zero contacts. In the past few years, he went from being homeless to working for a big four accounting firm to becoming a best-selling author to running multiple successful businesses, all of which we will delve into today. So welcome to the HBHM podcast, Anurag. Thanks for coming on. How are you today? I'm very well. Thank you for having me. Good to be here. Good, good. good. We're doing this one over Zoom, but it's a wonderful sunny day in Aberdeen. So it's what a what a pleasure it is to have the sun out, eh, Anurag? Yes, yes. Um, <laughs> especially, because, especially as well that we're both doing it from a room. <laughs> exactly. have exactly. uh, done it outside, maybe on a beach or something. Well, maybe, yeah, that would have been, yeah, that would have been slightly nicer. But anyway, great to have you here. Thanks very much again for coming on. So obviously I've read out some things in your um, bio there, you know, award-winning coach, best-selling author, master NLP practitioner. But before we go on to discuss, you know, various things, and, and there's a lot of different things that will probably come out of this conversation today, such as things to do with, you know, mindset, psychology, mental health, meditation, mental well-being, and so on and so forth. I thought it'd be worthwhile you sharing a bit of your background story to our our listeners. You know, it's it's a story you've told me before, um, and it'd be very much appreciated if you could share that firstly with our listeners as well. Of course. Um, so, I always like to start it from from the day I I left house to start doing things on my own, and that's when, like back in two thousand five, when I came to UK, um, as you you mentioned before, with just hundred pounds, a few set of clothes, and knew no one in the country, so very humble beginning. And from there, I had like plenty of experience creating, losing, and then creating again. I came here with a vision to open my own restaurant business, and so when I first came here, I started working for restaurants. I ended up working at senior positions with lots of um, lots of big restaurant chains. And in 2011, that's when I started my first restaurant business. Initially, the things were very well. Um, but the mistake that I made was because I had been working for all these big brands, I had a big backing, big support uh, behind me. And obviously, I was run, young at that time. So, so I did not have when I was running my business. So some learning points there. But six months into the business, the business was doing very well. And I was actually thinking of buying my next restaurant. 
but a series of events happened, which led me to going from like the top of my career to very rock bottom. And what happened was within a week. So one of my chefs came in the afternoon one day and said that he needs to, needs to go back to his country because his mom's not well. And he asked me for some money. So I gave him whatever I could at that time, whatever cash I had. And then in the evening, CID came and visited the restaurant and they said uh, they were looking for this guy. So obviously I knew that he's done something wrong and I wasn't getting my money back or getting him back. But then the next day I realized when I went to my bank account to get some money out that he's taken my checkbook and managed to get all the money out from the bank as well. Um, So there was no money in the bank. I had given him all the cash, Uh, but I thought, okay, well, there's not much we can do at the moment because he's not in this country. And at that time I was on visa as well. So I had no recourse to public funds. So uh, I could not get any help from government in the situation. But I continued running the restaurant. But just two days later, council came and visited the restaurant in the evening. And they found some wiring issue in the restaurant. So they said it's not safe to operate. So they shut the restaurant down. So now I have no money in the bank, <laughs> no cash because I given it all to him and no incoming because the restaurant is shut. Uh, but it did not stop there. Another day, just a day later, somebody must have noticed that the restaurant is closed. So it was dark. Um, so they broke in and stole all the money I had in the till. Uh, so no, I was even in the worst situation. And I just could not understand why all this is happening to me. Like all of a sudden within a week, I went from like thinking about buying the new restaurant to like not sure where I would pay my bills, but wages to my staff. I had about 10 staffs working for me at that time. So I thought, okay, what can I like, where can I cut costs from? So one of my biggest costs was thousand pound rent, which I was paying per month. So I decided to move out at that time. I didn't have a family, so it was an easier decision to make. So I decided to move out of my flat and move into the storeroom of my restaurant. I spent about four days living in there. So literally, in a way, I was homeless because I didn't have a place to stay. I was living in the storeroom. And while sitting down in the dark room, I just did not know what can I do now because I had borrowed money from friends, family, um, bank to get this business up and running and now no I'm like at the ground zero and while I was there um, I had some tough conversations with me but one thought kept repeating in my head so as I was sitting if you can imagine in a dark and I forgot to mention it was a dark place because obviously they had cut the wiring so there was no light no heating God. And uh, I was sitting in the corner of a dark store room with bedding bags full of clothes and spices and rices all around me. And I kept asking this question to me again and again, why me? Why did this happen to me? Uh, I was a big believer on karma. So I was thinking that I hadn't done any bad karma, at least not that I know of. Then why did this happen to me? Yeah. And the more I thought about it, the worse it got. Um, the more stressed I felt, the more depressed I felt that why it felt as if like I, I did not have control on things. Yeah. But then as I was thinking, I spent about two days thinking the same thought over and over again, not knowing what to do now. But as I was thinking one night, the similar kind of thoughts, a new thought came to my head. And this time the thought was, why not me? Yeah. Uh, there's small kids dying in war zone countries. They haven't done any bad karma. Then why not me? Mm-hmm. 
And that thought led me to a realization that maybe it's not about good karma and bad karma. Maybe things just happen in life. Maybe it's about what we do to what's about what's happening. And just having this thought that, okay, it could have been worse, um, put me, shifted me from a place of feeling stressed and depressed to a place where I was feeling grateful that, okay, it's not as worse as some people Mm -hmm. uh, have their life. And it also empowered me to take something uh, from it. So what I realized that night is what I talk to my clients these days all the time. And that's life is like a game, a game that we cannot control. Sooner we understand this, better we play. And while we cannot control the game, we can all become a better player. (laughs) And that's the philosophy I started working on from that night. But what happened was I went into this doing mode. So I went into a typical entrepreneur's hustle mode uh, where I was like, okay, whatever is happening, what can I do about it? What can I do about it? And I focused so much on doing that I forgot being. And obviously humans are two parts, being and doing. So in 2014, when my son was born, uh, I, he was just a few minutes old and I was looking at him uh, in the hospital sitting, thinking, when would I ever get to see him? Yeah. And that's when I realized, okay, I need to change careers because I am, I'm in the store business. I'll be working Christmas. I'll be working New Year. And plus I was working about 80 hours a week at that time. So I decided to become an accountant because I like numbers. Mm-hmm. Uh, so started studying accounting, but nothing would go in my head because of all the damage I had done working those long hours. So the business was successful, but my body and mind was not uh, yeah. at its best place. So I thought, okay, but I first need to work on myself maybe before I can learn and do something new. So I spent another couple of years just working on myself. So I studied psychology, neuroscience, human performance. I tried taking different supplements. I tried uh, exercise, different routines. And basically I used my body as a guinea pig uh, to experiment things. What that did was it shifted my my state into a state where I was able to finish a three-year qualification, accounting qualification in nine months. And that's when I knew that I've found something, especially because everybody around me um, started telling me. So my friends would say, how are you doing all this? Like, you look happy. You look uh, very calm. You look very healthy. Um, and you're still managing to, like, I, I was still uh, doing about 60 hours a week in the restaurant, trying to sell the restaurant business and uh, obviously doing all these qualifications. And to me, it did not feel like I was doing much. So that's when I realized, okay, maybe I've found something. And I decided to start writing. So initially I wrote uh, blogs. I then went on to work for HMRC and then KPMG. And it was when I was working for KPMG that I decided to write my and publish my first book, The Power Within, uh, just right there, um, uh, which went on to become a US Amazon bestseller. And once the book was bestseller, people, more people started approaching me to find more about my work. And that's when I started doing unofficial coaching and right. In 2020, September 2020, I decided to become a coach. Nice. Quite a, quite a story to, to where you've got to right now. So you're now, I mean, I know, you, you know, there's there's different ways that, you know, you probably, um, you know, talk, describe, you know, or say what it is that you do. And when you're talking to different audiences, I'm sure, you, you know, there's, there's different hats you could always 
um, say, but you know, let's just pick executive coach as one of those hats in, in your own business, um, superhuman in you. And you know, there may be different branches off of the off of that particular, you know, uh, superhuman in you main title. So, you know, what what is superhuman in you and, and why that is the business name and you know what comes under that banner, if you like. Yeah. So as I was talking before, when when I had that shift and people around me uh, started noticing that shift, my friends started noticing that shift, they would jokingly call me, uh, man, you're a superhuman. (laughs) That's when the name came into being because I realized that everything we do in life, whether it's life, business, or relations or anything, it starts with us. Yeah. The, the better state we are in, the better we can do, the be- more energy, more um, mental state, uh, better ven- mental state we are in, the better we can perform in all areas. Um, and that's why my work is mainly focused on the person and not mainly on strategies. We do have some strategies which we work on, but it's mainly on getting the person to be able to implement those strategies because we live in an information age. So information is not our problem. We all know, okay, this is how much time we need to have, uh, allocate to certain tasks. Is sticking to that plan is a problem. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so what, what sort of, you know, I know there's lots of different areas I'm sure you work on, you know, with your, your clients, but what are some of the, you know, specific um, types of things you work on with your, your clients? Yeah. So if I had to describe it in one line, I would say I help my uh, clients to achieve their impossible goals. Okay. And uh, the reason, the, the way we do that is, so we waste a lot of time because we are not focused. We are not clear. Um, I like to give this example that most people are driving their car with a muddy windscreen and you ask them to stop and clean the windscreen and they say they are too busy. Yeah. <laughs> and so once we get that focus and clarity, it's achieving the goals becomes much easier. So in the very first session, which is complimentary, I asked them, what's your three-year vision? And this is like seven-dimensional vision. So their health, their relations, their business, their wealth. Yeah. And then I say, okay, how can we achieve that in six months by getting you to work less? Okay. So that's, that's what we do. We have, we have a clear plan and strategy, but the main work is on the person, on how he can be yeah. confident, he can feel more empowered and powerful to achieve that. And so I take it part of that initial work. How many people actually do know their three-year vision? I take it that's the first step is figuring out what that is. Yeah, yeah. So not many. Um, yeah. If if you ask people, they would. Uh, everybody wants to like they they have this general idea. Oh, I want to be successful, but they haven't defined success. Yeah. Um. So again an analogy i like to use lots of analogies because i think it helps us understand uh, things better so analogy that i use for this is the first thing of achieving anything is to know your point b so if i had to go from here to london the first thing i need to know that i'm going to london because once i'm clear that it's london where i want to go no matter how many roadworks come in the way no many matter how many times i run out of the fuel at the end i'll get to london yeah and there's a plan in place to get there. And that once you've figured out that that's where you need to go, then the, the plan becomes, you know, part and parcel of it. So some, that's something you mentioned there about focus as well. And I think, you know, you see a lot more stuff online these days about 
you know, procrastination and, and things like that as well. Is that, you know, what, what sort of tips have you got from that perspective? Is that the type of thing that you help your, your clients with as well? Yes. So focus is um, everything in life is about focus. So, and I think it's, we try to manage a lot of things. We try to manage our time. We, we try to manage our energy, but at the end it boils down to focus. What things are we giving focus to? And in a, the way I will help my clients to do that is by getting very clear on things that are important to them. So it's not about winning every battle. It's about winning the war. So we need to choose our battles and that's yeah. when um, we need to be focused. Now, when it comes to procrastination, uh, I always say there's three ways to take action. Um, and one is motivation, which most people rely on. And they say, oh, I, I, I need to feel motivated. I don't have the motivation. Yeah. But in reality, motivation is just a tool to feel good. It's not a tool to take action. Okay. So a level above motivation is commitment. Okay. And the difference is that if I hear my child crying at 4 a.m. in the morning, I don't need motivation to get up and look after him. Because <laughs> um, I'm committed for it. You, you probably don't have the motivation. At that point. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, whether I have the motivation or not, I would, I would get up and do it because there's no option B. That is important for me. Yeah. So a lot of people don't have motivation problem. They have confusion problem. They're not clear what's important to them. And if they are clear, they are not communicating it to their brain that it is really important to them. Yeah. Um, if they did, then they will act on commitment. But then there's another level as well. And that is uh, what I call being awake. So in, his, uh, in the book, The Way of the Peaceful Warrior, the author writes uh, 90% of the people live their life without ever being awake okay so by awake mean i mean that if i'm awake right now i can choose anything i want i don't need motivation i can choose anything i want um it's only when we are not awake it's only when we are operating on autopilot yeah and so many of us operate on autopilot all the time yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, something else uh, about procrastination as well. So mo- all of us are procrastinators. Yeah, we procrastinate things. Uh, it's just that somebody, some people are more um, organized, some are less organized. And uh, some people work at the deadline. So a lot of procrastinators, what they do is, um, I had a friend who, who would always finish all his assignment at uni days in the last day because you would procrastinate all the time but the problem is in life most things don't have deadlines yeah there, there's no deadline to spending time with your family there's no deadline to creating a good health and because we don't have deadline we don't we end up always procrastinating it and it never gets done uh, so that's what we need to realize that we need to set deadlines we need to set our own deadlines and uh, that will help on also have less things on our to-do list. We overexpect what we can achieve in a day and underestimate what we can achieve in 10 years. So yeah. in a day only have three to five things so that you, you don't have any room for procrastination. Yeah. And so how, how, you know, what are some tips on, you know, set, setting deadlines for yourself, for example. So one of the, you know, the tools there is setting deadlines, you know, what, 
what are some you know tips to actually be able to actually specify okay i need this task to do this is when i'm going to do it by this is how i stick to it you know what what is the tips there yeah so the first thing is obviously to decide a date that by which you are going to do it and then communicating it to your brain very clearly so one thing that i often talk about is that separation between you and your brain so we are not our brain we have a brain just like we have a hand we have a leg we have a brain and once we realize that we understand that all this procrastination all the things that we don't want is just a chemical in the brain uh, so we get more power to manage it better so once we have set the deadline we need to act on commitment we need to make sure communicate constant communication with our brains because our words are more powerful than drugs and that's why you might know about placebo effect so yeah. what we are talking to our brain that's what uh, makes it urgent or not urgent so if every time we communicate that okay this is really important to me and i want to get it done by this date and maybe have another deadline after that deadline so that you know that if you push it uh, further then the other deadline is going to uh, going to be impacted and another thing about uh, so sometimes people say that they don't feel like taking action right they don't feel good but emotion is again something that's happening in brain yeah it does not have any real impact unless we let it so let's say a person was feeling very sad yeah. um they they were feeling very sad they were feeling very demotivated they were having one of the worst days and they're sitting next to a pool and they see a child drowning would they feel uh, would they wait till they feel good and motivated before jumping in and saving the child no <laughs> no most of us wouldn't and uh, the reason is that for that is we have the power to set any emotion aside in case of emergency or when we are playing a bigger game so it's just communicating that to the brain that no it is important to me and this is a bigger game for me and this is what i really want yeah awesome thank you and on and on the, the you know you mentioned it there at the end this the subject of communication you know and you're you're talking about communication you know from yourself to your own brain but i take it communication is something something you work on with your your clients as well in regards to communicating as a leader or communicating as a you know a um manager or, or whatever that happens to be so you know what what are the types of things you're you're working on in that regard as well to help people communicate better yes so communication is one of the most important things um, and this is what i work with my with my clients and to take it a bit but deeper level let's start with how our mind works and um, so in any given moment our brain receives about 11 million pieces of information but our conscious mind can only process 40 okay so imagine a picture that has 11 million dots and take away all the dots and just leave 40 would you ever know what the picture was it looked no. very different <laughs> yeah and that's what's happening we all looking at different 40 dots so we all have our own version of reality we all have our own maps of understanding this world and this is very important because once we understand this we realize that okay the way i look at this thing the other person might not be looking at this thing in the same way 
And it's about understanding their map more than making them understand your map for an effective communication. Because what happens is people use their map and they say, okay, I'm using the right words. I'm using the right tone. I'm doing all this kind of strategies with the talk about for effective communication. Then why is this person not understanding me? It's because we haven't taken time to understand their map because they might have a totally different 40 dots than what we have. Yeah. Um, So one thing for communication, especially if you're communicating as a manager or leader is that, and also in relationships, is that keep asking questions, questions and silence, the most effective way to communicate. Because when we are silent, then we are getting other person to think and reflect on what we just said and say more, share more. Because the more they share, the more we understand their map. And an effective tool to commi- measure how effective our communication is, is not our tone of voice or our words, but are we getting the response that we want? Mm-hmm. If we have just communicated something and we are not getting the response that we want from the other person, that means our communication is not effective. We need to change something. Okay. And same nice. goes for when we are communicating to ourselves. If we are not getting the response that we want uh, from our brain, then we need to change the communication. Okay. Nice. And I take it, you know, along a, a similar vein, and I'm assuming, you know, because one of the things that you've you've spoken about is problem solving as well. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'm assuming that there's a link there between, you know, the, looking at the maps and the, you know, the, there, there's all these things. So, so how, how does problem solving come into the work you do as well? Yeah. So, so I'd, I'd like to talk a bit about the three principles of psychology. Yeah. And that will come. Um, I'll relate that to pro- how I work with problem solving. So there's, there was a guy called Sid Banks and he was a Scottish builder who then had an enlightenment experience and went on to become a philosopher, a guru. And he's, he started something which is called the three principles of psychology, which is practiced worldwide in, in most places these days. And basically what he said was, our reality is created using three things, mind, thoughts, and consciousness. Okay. So when we're talking about mind, it's different levels of mind. So it's our mind, others' mind, and universal mind. We can only control our mind. We cannot control others' mind, and we have no control, obviously, on the universal mind, which manages when the sun rises and things like that. The problem is most people are trying to control others' mind or universal mind. We cannot control that. We can only control our mind. The second part is thoughts. So everything everything our reality is created using thoughts okay and to give you an idea of what i mean is i was having a conversation with a client two weeks ago and she said this guy at work makes her really angry and uh, i said okay is he with you just now and she said no and i said are you angry just now and she said yes (laughs) how are you angry if he if he makes you angry and he's not with you then why are you angry just now And then we sat there in silence because she realized it's not the guy, it's her thinking that's making her angry. Yeah, yeah, true. Um, So we create our reality with our thoughts. The bigger the thinking, the bigger the problem. 
And then the last thing is consciousness. So to understand consciousness, think of a glass elevator. And you go on different levels when you turn when you're uh, going in an elevator so when you're in level zero you just get to see so much but when you're at top level you get to see a bigger picture yeah and that's what i help my clients do to expand their consciousness so that they get to see the bigger picture they get to see a bit more than so first thing first step is to know that what you're seeing is not the full reality we are only seeing 40 bits so i ask them questions which gets them to think from a bigger perspective and uh, from a different angle all problems have solution if we don't find if we haven't found the solution that means we need to change the question yeah awesome no great great tips again you know it's uh, i think problem solving i think taking yourself out of the situation as well is so important because you know sometimes um i had an example the other day yesterday um you know there's a, a, a particular problem that we're we're having and um you know it's it's been there and we've been trying to come up with solutions um, and it wasn't until I spoke to somebody else about it who's not in the business um different I they can they basically come up with a suggestion on a and it's a solution it's just amazing how you just kind of taking this was somebody helping but just removing yourself and taking a step back from the situation can actually help so much in coming up with a solution to a problem yeah, yeah. Um, what happens is our brain is very good at being programmed because that's what kept us alive for several years. It's designed for survival. It's not designed to make us successful. So once we are in a certain kind of atmosphere, a certain kind of uh, business for long, it gets programmed to think in a certain way. And that's why somebody from outside who's not programmed in that way can see things which we might miss. I suppose that's like that's a I've just given you a perfect advert for why your work's so important for people because it's a, you yeah. can help help people coming out of that of certain situations and come up with solutions. So um, yeah. I suppose that you know, is in a, a a huge uh, part of what you do as well. Totally, yeah, yeah. And you know, I, I know one of the other the other areas that you you know you you work on is um, you know we spoke about communicating um for leader you know helping communication but you know in general you're helping developing develop people as leaders as well so what are some of the tools that you're helping you know, these people with in regards to developing themselves as leaders because i know we you know it never stops you know whatever you are whether you're elon musk or jeff bezos or whoever you are you know you're still developing so you know how are you helping these people yeah so there's a few things which is important for uh, being a good leader, especially in today's age, where IQ is getting less and less important, and our EQ and MQ, which I talk about, is becoming more important, which is emotional intelligence and motivational intelligence. Yeah. So emotional intelligence is understanding your emotions and using them, and understanding other people's emotions and using them, um, obviously in a good way. And then motivational intelligence is motivating yourself and others and this is one of the things that we work on uh, when being a leader so one key thing to understand and especially um, I know we'll be talking a bit more about performance but one key thing to understand about performance is when are you more likely to be more creative when you feel good when you're more likely to be uh, 
more focused when you feel good? When are you more likely to be more productive when you feel good? When are you like more likely to be to talk to others nicely and be more patient with them when you feel good? So the first step is ensuring that you feel good. But the reality is that in essence, and this is what said banks talk about as, as well, in essence, we all are always happy. The reason we, why we don't see that happiness is so on a cloudy day, you don't get to see the sun, but that does not mean the sun is not there. Mm-hmm. It's because all the clouds we have surrounded ourselves with. So I get them to slowly clear the clouds so that they are in a state where they're constantly feeling good. And that's the place where they can be an effective leader because they are feeling good. So they are not themselves. They're not busy in their mind managing their own emotions. And that's when they can understand others' emotions better. They can understand their problems better and they can effectively see what motivates their team and whatnot. Nice. And then how how does that lead into improving performance then? So we, a lot of people these days think that uh, they need to do something in order to have more energy. Yeah. Yeah. In order to have more focus. But the problem is not that we are doing too much. Um, The problem is our bodies are designed to be hunters and gatherers. Our bodies are designed to be farmers. It's not that we're doing too much. We are thinking too much. We all have already energy. It's just that we're wasting it on places we shouldn't, this leakage. Um, What I like to call brain diarrhea. And uh, (laughs) what I help them to do is save that energy by thinking less, being focused, uh, being more present. And that's, that's how... They, they are able to perform better because when you have less things going on in your mind, yeah, you have more energy. Our brain takes about 20% energy from the body. And when we're thinking more, it takes even more. And yeah. that's why you feel tired all the time. Okay. And then on, on that subject about being present, then, you know, I know one of your, um, you know, some of the work you do, and you've, I believe you've written a book about it, um, is around meditation. So, how does med- meditation firstly play a part in your life? And, you know, what was the, how do you, how does that lead into your work with your clients? And also what, what was the book and how did the med- meditation uh, come into the book as well? Yeah. So I benefited a lot when I was trying to make that transition from being a restaurant business owner to changing career and be an accountant. I benefited a lot from meditation. And so it made me curious why more people are not doing meditation because a lot of people, I think everybody has common problems, especially in entrepreneurs, business leaders, they have common problems, focus, procrastination, um, like overthinking. All these are common problems. Everybody experiences them, stress. Um, and the solution to most problems is meditation. So why are more, more people not doing it? And it made me curious and it's free. Like it's, it yeah. doesn't cost you anything. And then I realized that the reason why people are not doing it because they're doing it wrong. They're doing it the monk's way. Um, They practice it for some days and then they realize that it's not working and they give up. Uh, But you cannot send a four-year kid to do a PhD. So you cannot sit on a mat the first day and expect your brain, ask your brain to quiet down and expect it to listen to you. Um, and uh, there's different ways to meditate there's uh, this ways you where you can be active meditation 
there's walking meditation, there's, uh, there's lots of different kinds of meditation. And that's why in the book, I talk about 21 different ways to meditate, which you can try and have a variety. Um, and it's more designed for, for the world that we live in because the world monks live in, they don't have deadlines, they have, don't have kids running around. So it's easier for them to sit all day and uh, practice it, yeah. but it's not for us. So yes, meditation. So the goal of meditation is not to good, get good at meditation. The goal of the meditation is to get good at life. And that's where people get confused. They sit and do meditate and they think they are not good at it and they give up. But that's not the goal. If you meditate, so if you sit there and meditate for 10 minutes, your mind may keep wandering, but you will notice that day when you are actually in your life, you'll be a bit more focused than any other day. So it's, it's, it's like going to gym. You, you go to gym. Going to gym makes you feel uncomfortable because obviously you, you're lifting weights, you're working hard. And, but after going to gym, you have a good life. Like you, you see results in other, in other areas. And that's what, how meditation works. Maybe sitting there for five minutes is uncomfortable, but you get to see the results in other areas of life. Yeah. And is the, the, the book you wrote about meditation, is that the power within or is that a different one? Yeah, that's the power within. That yeah. is the power within, yes. Yeah, yeah. That's the 20, 21 different ways to meditate. meditate. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, and do you do, do you do like guided meditations and things with your clients or, or do you just kind of help them in their own path to discover meditation? Yeah. So a, a mix of both. So I do, we do have sometimes if I think that a client can benefit from certain kind of guided meditation, we do do that. I have yeah. special meditation designed for improving focus and things like that. But we will only do one session and then I'll just give them a recording and they can practice at their own time. And yeah. I always say that there's no right or wrong way to meditate. Okay. The goal is just to bring your attention back in the present moment. Yeah, actually take the time to go and do it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 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 Okay, cool. And I think, you know, this, I'm assuming meditation probably ties into the next thing I wanted to talk about. And that was your anti anxiety formula. Um, you know, you speak about an anti-anxiety formula um, and I think that kind of ties into managing stress. So can you just talk a bit about what that is and how you use that? Yes. So we did talk about it uh, briefly before I touched upon it, that everything, everything is created using our thought. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So there's only one reason. If, if I ask my clients, so this is something which I do in my workshops, I ask them, what's the list some of the things that make you feel stressed? And they would say, okay, some people will say money, some people will say um, workload, some people would say um, children, some people would say like, there's a lot of other things, their partner. But in reality, it's just one thing that makes us stress. And that thing is we have created an expectation about how our reality should be and -hmm. things are not matching those expectations. And that's what causes stress. What if we did not have that expectation? What if we accepted things as they were? What if we realized that there's my mind, there are others' mind, and then there's a universal mind? We have no control on universal mind. We have no control on others' mind. I have only control on my mind. Mm -hmm. So I have to accept. So it's not how my kids should be. 
It's about how they are. What am I going to do about it? Just accept it as it is. Not uh, so. If if you're watching a natural scenery, maybe a waterfall or a rainbow or uh, trees, we get a sense of calmness within us. And the reason for that is when you're watching this natural scene, we are not thinking, "Oh, what if the trees were purple? Where the sky was red? Where the rainbow had eight colors?" We just accept it as it is, and that's what makes it beautiful. So once we accept, and sometimes people get confused about expectation and belief. So they say, "Oh, but." we need to believe that we are going to achieve our goals yes they do but expectation is not same as belief expectation is about the present belief is what's possible so in present have no expectation accept things as they are this is how it is and probably this is the best it, it could be in this given moment because there's no other way it could be in this given moment it's the reality is what i can do about it so this is where the stress comes from having expectations about this moment anxiety is worrying about future yeah so anxiety is even if i had to challenge it, it's not real it's our imagination of the future okay so uncertainty does not mean something's bad going to happen uncertainty means anything is possible good or bad mm-hmm. so a question that i like to use is what's the worst that could happen and what's the best thing about it mm-hmm. yeah so i'm not uh, i'm not big on positive thinking yeah i'm big on neutral thinking So if you think 10 things negative you should always think five things positive too there's no point in only thinking negative um you you must realize that anything is possible and the way where the things are at the moment it could be worse and it could be better yeah it is not the worst it could be worse grows be worse even when you were uh um basically lost your all your basically lost all your money and all your restaurant and all that sort of stuff it could always have been worse yeah um and when when we are at place from when we operate from a place of gratitude that's when we so when we feel good we do good where we we are able to create more do more be more creative and that's why it's important to realize and have no expectations in the moment because it is what it is it can't be any other way mm-hmm. cool um that's awesome and i i know that um tying into all, all the things that we we spoke about today you have a um you're a fan of a, a morning routine you know you've got your morning ritual and um you're a, a member of the the 5am club and you have your own um facebook group um with the 5am club as well so you don't join to just explain a bit about i i do know what the 5am club is because i've read the book but you want to just explain a bit about uh, what it is and how you how you adopt your own 5am club um yes so basically the from my understanding it's is just to wake up an hour before everybody everybody else 
um, like all the distractions um, you get before before life begins. Getting an hour before that actually helps you prepare for um, the rest of the day. So you would not jump into a war without preparing for it. So don't jump into uh, life because life as we know it is, is full of ups and downs and challenges and it challenges at, at, at every point. So what 5 a.m. club for me is uh, waking up an hour before my wife and my kid and uh, preparing myself, having that extra hour of time just for myself to do a bit of uh, things that prepare me and things that prepare me is, so I talked about the separation between brain and ourselves. And when we realize that we are not our brain, then self-love is no more selfish. It's taking care about our body and brain. So if, if, uh, if I had a car who was driving and the engine light is flashing and I'm trying to give lift to other people in that car, that would not be uh, very useful for me or the other person. And the same way analogy works for us. So our body and mind is our tool. It's not us. We need to take care of it. And that's what the first one hour is to take care of my, the tools that I have in order to serve others and uh, achieve my goals. So I do, I do a bit of journaling Uh, 20 minutes is uh, dedicated to journaling where I write my gratitude and gratitude is very important because our brain is designed to find problems. It's designed for survival. So if you left the brain on its own, it will only find problems. Um, And that's why consciously looking for things that are good at is, is, helps you put into the right mindset before you begin your day and uh, also helps you achieve those levels of brain activity that are responsible for creativity. A quote that I like about gratitude is from Gandhi and he said, I cried because I had no shoes until I met a man with no feet. (laughs) And that's what I think about when I'm doing my gratitude journal. Okay. What are the things that I'm really grateful for? Yeah. And then I write, uh, Something that I believe in is reality should always be created inside out. So a question that I ask my clients is, who are you? In the very first session I asked, and this is what I remind myself every morning as well, who am I? And who am I is not how I show up. They could be different. Using the sun analogy again, uh, the sun is always there, but because of the clouds, you might not see it. So who I am is for me to decide and then create the reality inside out rather than judging myself based on um, other people's opinions or other things uh, in my life. So this is the next thing I would do in my journal is uh, define who I am. So things that are really important to me, my values, uh, my goals, my vision. And then uh, I would spend about 20 minutes meditating for a healthy mind. And then I would spend 20 minutes doing some high intense work, workout to get my heart rate pumping. Nice. Yeah. And then you, then you crack on with your day. Cold shower and ready for the day. Nice. Nice. <laughs> um, and so that, that, that's cool. Cause I was going to ask a bit more about um, before, before we go on to some of the roundup questions um, your fitness. So you've, you've mentioned there that you, um, you know, you do the 20 minutes in your, in your hour. Um, is there any other passions in the fitness sphere that you, you have? Yes. I like to challenge my, uh, my body. Obviously this is, this is not, this is not necessary for fitness, but I like to challenge myself. So I've done Spartan races and um, so, so I run and do obstacles in order to, for general fitness, 
I watch my diet. So I, I do take supplements as well. Um, every now and then I try, try and see, try a, a different kind of supplements, mostly natural supplements and, uh, to see what the effect, what effect they have on my body and mind and, and see, measure it. I actually measure it um, to see if there is there is any changes and just nutrition, making sure that I'm eating healthy, taking my vitamins. Nice. And any, any Spartan races or anything in the in the horizon that you're looking to do? Uh, yes, um, I think next one is this summer. So yeah, definitely. I'm, I really want to do Ironman. I need to get better at swimming. Uh, that's okay. the only thing I can I can I can do cycling and running no problem. But the swimming swimming part I need to get better at. <laughs> I think so, I think I'm probably I think I'm probably with you there. Yeah, um, I think it would be the swimming that I would need to get a lot stronger at if I was going to yeah. try and do that. Yeah, so that that is that is a plan to before I uh, before I turn forty, which is in two years. Um, so that's the plan to do the Ironman before I turn forty. Nice. Well, I'm sure you will. I'm sure you'll you'll all the tools that you've developed over the years, um, mentally and physically. I'm sure will will make sure you you achieve that goal. So you know, all the best on that. Thank you. So. As something I, I like to go over with all our guests is some top tips in three certain areas. And, and this can be, you know, from a business perspective, from a fitness perspective, from a health perspective, whatever, there's no precedent here, but it's the top tips for improving performance, improving recovery and improving sleep. So I would like to ask these of you as well. So what would be your top tip for improving performance? So improving performance, there's, there's two things. One is physical and the other is how you feel about it. So the better you feel, as we were, discuss, we were discussing, the better you, the more you do. The physical performance is obviously making sure so the food we eat today, and um, I know you, you're probably aware of this as well and talk about this. The food we eat today is, is not the best food uh, in, in, which is available in the market, maybe about few maybe about a few decades ago the food was more natural than what we eat today and that's why our bodies do not get the nutrients they're supposed to yeah but our workload especially on the mind has increased what as compared to a few decades ago and so there, there's a nutrition deficit and some people struggle with weight problems this is the reason why they struggle with it as well because our body cannot say that i need vitamin b our body will say i need food and they eat more food, but no vitamin B. And because it's, uh, it's, it's lacking some nutrients, it would keep asking for food. So the key is to have make sure that you take supplements, take, take different kind of nutrition to have that healthy, balanced diet because our food today cannot provide most of it. And uh, then obviously the mind part come, come in. So making sure you have some practice like meditation, journaling, things that make you feel good and feel uh, feel at the right state in order to perform better. Yeah, nice. Mm-hmm. Cool, thank you. And what about recovery? Your top tip for improving recovery? Yeah, so for recovery, I understand it from different perspectives. So yeah. one is obviously the physical recovery about if, if, you, if, if you have, so your immune function and all that. And that's obviously based on nutrition. And again, mind plays a big role for me because from a research, we, we understand that 90% of the doctor visits are stress-related. So even though when we think that, okay, 
I'm not a person who takes stress, but is that true? Um, so you need to question that and make sure that we're constantly watching our our mind as we would uh, for for anything else. Yeah. And then the second thing is, I understand recovery also as resilience. So for me, resilience is not uh, it's not about not falling down. It's about how quickly you can get back up. And that's again having those realizing that brain and body are your tools. It's not you. So it's not about self-love. It's about taking care of your tools, mm-hmm. uh, which is an important thing because you won't want to drive anyone in a car with flashing engine. <laughs> no, definitely not. Definitely yeah. not. Nice. And what about sleep then? So your top tip for improving sleep. Yeah. So there's a number of tips actually because a lot of, lot of uh, the people I work with are busy, have deadlines, uh, have big goals have competing commitments and that's why sleep sleep is one of the first thing that gets affected when you have these kind of challenges so the first tip is something that i call 10 3 2 1 okay 10 hours before bed no caffeine okay three hours before bed um, no alcohol yeah two hours before bed no um, food one hour before bed, no screen time. Okay. Yeah, no, makes makes a lot of sense. So that was 10 hours before, no caffeine, three hours before, no... So three, three hours uh, before bed, no alcohol. No alcohol, two hours, no food, one hour, and no screens, yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, uh, obviously there's... There could be one or two days where you, you you don't stick up to this, but if you if you follow this in, in a general basis, then yeah, this definitely improves sleep quality. Another thing as well is thinking. This is the big uh, because when people overthink, what happens is our brain needs to go into a frequency which is um, so our heart rate needs to go less than sixty seconds per minute, and our brain needs to go into alpha. Uh, frequency from a from a theta uh, sorry from a beta level yeah so both of these things get affected by how much we think and what happens usually is if you wake up at night and you get too much bothered about oh i can't go back to sleep you're only increasing your thinking and that's the reason you can't go to, back to sleep so if you're having sleep problems it's best not to try and sleep because the more you try the less likely you're able to get it just just let it be. Just realize that when you're resting, it's your body and mind both resting. So even when you think that you're you're not fully asleep, you still your body is resting. And if you try and meditate or lie down with try and have less thoughts, focus on your breath, your mind will be somewhat resting as well. Don't yeah. try and sleep because the more you try and sleep, the more thoughts you will have and the less likely you sleep. It Relax. should come naturally. Yeah, yeah. Awesome. No, I love that. I really love that uh, 10321 as well, mm-hmm. because it is all, I think all, all these things, you know, we've, um, you know, we, I think people know or they should know, but I think just putting it in that, um, you know, the, the number thing is very, very helpful. So yeah, thanks very much for that. And thanks very much for, for everything, you know, you spoke about um, on the podcast today. So before we go, um, I'd just like to give you the opportunity to, you know, share where people can find you, where they can follow you, where they can go to 
um, find out a bit more information about you. Yeah, so people can get connected with to me on LinkedIn, uh, on Facebook, on Instagram, on all these platforms. Um, one way is also to visit my website, which is superhumaninu.com. Um, or you can send me uh, an email to anurag.rai at superhumaninu.com. And are you just Anurag Rai on across all, across all the, uh, all the uh, social media platforms? Yeah. Yes. Cool. And do you, you, did, you, did I see you have your own podcast as well? Uh, yes, it's called uh, Unleash the Superhuman in You, where oh. I, um, I talk about uh, uh, similar kind of stuff, um, cool. improving performance, um, emotional intelligence. Yeah. Nice. Okay. Well, th- thanks very much uh, for coming on the, the show, Anurag. And yeah, lots of good practical tips in there for our, our listeners. And it was a pleasure to have you on. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. Cheers. Thanks so much for listening to the latest episode of the HPHM podcast. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. Just a reminder that you can get 15% off at checkout on hbhm.com by putting in the code HBHMPOD. Please share the latest podcast on socials at Instagram. We are at HBHM official and we look forward to speaking to you next time.